right. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. You don't sound sure. The Lord is good? All the time. That sounds sure, you know? Yes. Amen. Amen. Now we are going to study the word of God today. But before we start, let's declare the glory of God. Release his um, power into the air. Activate his uh, judgment against sin in the land. And we are going to do all of that by reading from the scriptures. Today, let's read from the book of Psalms. Oh, that is Psalm 65, everybody. Psalm 65. Everybody want to let's go. There will be silence before you. And praise in Zion, O God. And to you the vow will be performed. O you who hear prayer. To you all men come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you forgive them. Verse 4. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation. You who are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the Father's sea, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being guarded with might, who steals the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the peoples. Eight, they who dwell in the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. Nine, you visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The streams of God is full of water. You prepare your grain for those you prepare the earth. You water its furrows abundantly. You settle its rages. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. You have crowned the year with your bounty and your past drip fatness. The pastures of the wilderness drip and the hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The meadows are clothed with flocks and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. Yes, they sing. Amen. Amen. What have we said by reading these scriptures? We have said every good thing we see around is from the Lord. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. It's not a game of chance. It's not the preparation of any human being. You must have heard it said many times. It said, there have been people in America ring themselves and build their country. We know it's a lie. God said, if I don't bless you, you will gather, yet I will scatter it. It's possible for you to arrange and it doesn't work. So if things seem to arrange and things seem to work, it's because God commanded a blessing upon it initially. What we are saying again is, the Lord will bless us. Amen. The Lord will bless our land. Amen. We're not saying as a matter of prayer, and even though it's a prayer, but what we're trying to say is good comes only from his hands. Amen. Yes, that's what we are saying. We're establishing that he is the one that blesses us. He said, you visit the earth. Listen to this. You visit this nation and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. That's what he does. He's the one that enriches our lives. Lord, we give you the glory. For those of us who are Nigerians, let's just take a moment. Thank the Lord for everything. Yes, thank him. Thank him for the nation. Thank him for the over 200 tribes and, you know, groups. Thank him for the oil in the ground. Thank him for the palm oil on the surface, the ones that we cultivate. Thank him for the yam. Thank him for corn. Thank him for our seasons. They have been very constant. You don't hear of drought in Nigeria. When did you hear of drought? When did you hear of drought? When did you hear of drought? It's the goodness of God. Thank you for the millet. Thank you for the groundnut. 
Thank him for cocoa. Thank him for coffee, cashew, mango. Thank him for everything. Thank him because indeed this nation spreads forth the gospel of God. Thank him for abundance. Let's thank him for abundance. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Now as we are going to the study of the word of God, the Lord will give you understanding. Amen. Say amen before I collect it back. Amen. <laughs> the Lord will give you understanding. Amen. He will give you insight. Amen. He will heal every affliction that may want to lock around somewhere. Amen. He will give you direction. Amen. And most importantly, he will make you more than ever before like the Lord Jesus. Amen. If you believe all of these things, declare them. Want to let's go. Amen. Now I declare the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this. I'm walking in the manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 That's what you are going to experience today. Please bless somebody beside thirty percent. Congratulations, you are blessed. Three people, three people. Thirty percent. Congratulations, you are blessed. Congratulations, you are blessed. After that, please sit down. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, uh, we are going to study the Word of God today. We are casting down every idol. Amen. Amen. We are throwing them away. We are throwing them away. Why do they need to be thrown away? Again, remember, God is not preoccupied. <laughs> you know, my son said something the other day. Of course, speaking from some of the things we have said. He said, after walking around the earth for 50 years, God has to create hellfire. <laughs> that even if they have before, when he sees the wickedness of human beings, he has to create one. What am I saying so? The man who said God is preoccupied <laughs> with the preservation of his own prerogative. If he doesn't give his life to Christ, God will send him to hell. It's not like he's so good. He's, he, he, I hope you know God sends people to hell. And it's Jesus that signs the dispatch. Dispatch this guy to hellfire. It's Jesus that signs it. Don't say that he died. <laughs> Believe while there is time. The Lord is good. Now what am I saying? Just man that was insulting the Lord that made me remember that. The Lord is not preoccupied with trying to make sure we do what he says. What preoccupies him, let's remind ourselves, is that he wants to bless he wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. That's what preoccupies him. God doesn't like being alone. He doesn't like being alone. He doesn't like to be the only person in his own class. He doesn't like the idea. It gets lonely even for him too. That's what it is like. So what he wants to do is multiply himself in people. He wants to sit down and talk. You know, Jesus will come to the garden in the cool of the evening. To come and discuss with Adam. You know what I'm saying? It's nice. It's nice to have somebody to talk with. One of the worst things God can do to you. In fact, when they want to torture you in prison, they put you in what? Solitary confinement. You will go mad. They do it. It's torture to put you in solitary confinement. They want to make you worse. They make you don't see anything. You don't know whether it's night or day. They just put a little light for you. The only thing you see every time. It's torture. 
Do you know if they put two of you inside there? It's no longer so bad to have someone to talk with. So that's what the Lord does. He wants people he can sit down and talk with. He will come into the garden and then listen. You've seen, you must have experienced it. You can't talk to people who can't think on your own frequency. You usually get tired. You usually get tired. They wear you out in a few seconds. What I do many times with such people, I just shut down. They won't even know I've left the conversation. They are still talking. I've stopped talking. I've stopped listening. There are people, I'm in, I'm in chat groups. There are people that drop their chat in certain groups. As it's hitting the group, I delete it so that I will not be tempted to read. Some I scan, read once, then so that I won't come back again, I delete because they are thinking on base eight. Do you understand? We're not using the same reference points. It can be very difficult. So God, like that too, he doesn't want people he cannot, they can't reason, they don't understand his righteousness. They don't understand his purpose. They don't understand his holiness. So his aim in Adam and the descendants of Adam, his aim was to make them in his image so that they can reason together. They can, you know, they can converse. That's why Jesus, Jesus, Jesus used to come to the garden to come and answer prayer. I don't know whether I get my point. He needs to come to Adam's garden so he can come and answer prayer. The concept of let us talk. At the point in time, one of the descendants of Adam, his name was Enoch. God found somebody they could talk with, he could talk with. So the Bible says that Enoch did what? He walked with God. I like the way David Paulson explained it. That he and God used to take a long stroll. So one day they strolled. It was so far, they walked so far. God said, You are too far away from home, you are closer to my house. So <laughs> But the point is that God enjoyed his company. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not. Why? God took him. God likes people that he can, you know, relate with. So his primary purpose in everything is to make himself in us. So that he can leave us in charge of things. If you see the parables of Jesus, that was what the Lord was doing. He said, look, occupy with this until I come. And when he came back, he said, hi, what did they do? Oh, good. Now you can be in charge of 10 cities. You can be in charge of 5 cities. He's just making himself in us. He wants to create, that's why I say he made man in his image and after his likeness. That first body he made, we have established it here, that was not where he was going. That was the mold in which he was going to, do you get my point? If you want to make a knife, you want to make something out of molten or out of metal, you melt your metal and then you you make a cast ahead of time. Or even plastic. You made the, the, the you made the what do they call that the mold into which you pour whatever it is you want to make. If it's metal, your mold probably made of a, a form of clay. If it's um, plastic, you've made the mold of steel. Then you pour it in. That is what you are pouring inside is the real thing you are trying to produce. And I'm saying to you again, when God made the clay out of man, out of dust, he formed man. That was a mold. That was the mold. The real thing he was doing, believe me, was to bring forth that spiritual man that Adam was to be. Adam was developing to become exactly like God. Somebody that he could converse with. And Satan came and lied to him. He thought independence would do it. No. The only way to be like God is to attach yourself to him. Let him breathe himself into you. And that's what Jesus was doing in coming to see Adam. The more you relate with him, the more you become like him. And listen, that's, listen, you know what David said? He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable 
in your sight. All right? Now, this, this is the point. I believe I'm, conv- I'm convinced of this. Jesus actually goes from home to home looking for where he can sit down and hear good gist. Did you hear what I said? Yes. He wants to be able to hear what I call good gist. He wants to hear you talk and he will enjoy what you are saying. Just like he said himself, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. And then the father will love him. And then I and the father will come and make our abode in his house. The truth is that till now, Jesus goes from house to house. That's why David said, learn to pray that prayer. Like David, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in his sight. It's very important. Now, so the point I'm making is that God didn't create us primarily to worship him. He created us to be like him. Worship is a method by which we become like him. I've been establishing that, okay? So let's continue looking at that. So we are removing other gods from our lives. Why must we remove other gods? Because they don't allow the purpose of God to be done. God wants to be the only God, not because he wants to brag. We've established that many times. It's because the only way he can bless. He said, that was, he said, thou shalt serve the Lord thy God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy waters. It's established. It's a person that you are serving that has the responsibility to bless your bread and your water. Is the one that has the responsibility to keep you, the person that you serve. And we have been saying again and again, he said, you will have no other God before me. He said, I am God and there is none other. He wasn't trying to brag. He was trying to help. Don't look at another place or at another God. Bear that in mind. And we said, listen, these days people don't bow. Now, let me remind us of something I said. Other gods, they are spiritual beings or things, entities. Idols are the physical forms in which they exist. I hope you're getting my point. So people bow before idols. They carry idols. They make graven images. But the real worship is to another god. So I said, this generation, you may not find images as much. You go to many societies, they say there's no god, which is actually a form of worship. They make it look like we don't worship anything. It's not true. There is a spirit called a spirit of atheism. It's another God. Please, you, have, you must bear that in mind. Because let me not get distracted into that. But the truth is that if you use a rational mind to address this issue of whether there's God or, or there's none, there's no rational scientific mind that exists that will not lead you into the fact that there must be God. You may not know his name. You may not know whether there are plenty. You may not know whether there are one. You may not know. But you will know that there has to be somebody responsible. And that's why we see stars, many of the stars that they found later, they did not see them at all initially. For decades, they didn't know they were there. Sometimes for over 100 years. But he said the star has to be there. Why? Because anytime a planet goes this way, it bends on its course. So something is pulling it. I hope you're getting my point. That's how scientific minds reason. So many years later, they will now develop better telescopes and find the particular star or a big planet. People like Stephen Hawking and co. said there must be what they call a black hole. Nobody had ever seen a black hole. Just from calculating the way things work, they said there must be a black hole. And nobody saw a black hole. And in fact, by nature of what it is, you cannot see a black hole. But men believe there is a black hole. And there are black holes. In fact, they believe that the center of every um, galaxy has a massive black hole inside it. Why can't you see a black hole? Because it's called a black hole. 
It does not allow light to go. It does not reflect light. It does not emit light. If anything, it absorbs everything that comes. So you don't really see it. But you know what? They believe it is there, even though nobody has ever seen it. Now, they now see the effects around the, after many years. Now, so this is where they, they cannot identify where the black hole is, even though it's not visible. How did they know there were black holes? Simply because they did calculations. They observed and did all the calculations. At the end of the day, they said, no, it makes, there has to be a black hole. There must be a point in which gravity is so intense. All the matter and the energy in that area, we, con, con, you know, kind of, con, which one, I'm looking for what, converge, all right? Is it converge? To a particular small point where the thing will have the order of almost infinity in density. It was calculations. Stephen Hawking did a PhD thesis on it. Nobody ever saw it. They now began to observe these effects. So the fact that they have not seen God, I hope that's where I'm going. If they say we have not seen God, so there's no evidence, they are lying. The evidence for God is massive. It's all over the place. That's why God doesn't try to explain to everybody. Say, if you want to see it, it's there. If you want to see it, it's there. But they reject it. Do you know why? There is a God called the spirit of atheism. That's what those people worship. And it demands that they will say there is no God. It's a form of worship. It's a form of worship. It's a form of worship. I don't want to sit on it. But if you analyze it well, it's a form of worship. They hold on to the truths, in quotes, the dogmas, firmly, despite every contrary evidence. They are worshiping the spirit. So we said, listen, the gods are spiritual, but idols are the physical forms people often bow down to. So this generation, we don't have idols much. What we have, rather, are systems. The gods are still there. The gods are still there. The gods are still there. But what they manifest as mostly are systems. And we'll be looking at that. And they demand our faith. They demand our worship. We have established this again and again. How do we worship? It's aggressive pursuit. Whatever you are pursuing aggressively, the thing you are worshiping. If you are pursuing your career aggressively, is the thing you are worshiping. If you are pursuing your ministry aggressively, is the thing you are worshiping. Whatever you are pursuing aggressively is taking worship from you. It's receiving worship. That's a matter of fact. Say, Pastor Banky, so you won't pursue your ministry aggressively and forbid him from doing that. I'm allowed one thing to pursue God. To pursue the Lord Jesus Christ aggressively. In the process, I will do ministry. I hope you're getting my point. The pursuit, however, is not ministry, it's God. Is that I may know Him. Is that I may be conformed to His image is that I might experience the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, that I may attain the same resurrection that he went through. That's the pursuit. Every other thing is an addition along the line. Let's bear that in mind. Ministry is not the primary thing. Christ is the primary thing. That is, I'm using ministry, which is supposed to be one of the most lofty things we probably would love to talk about. But that's not the primary thing. Christ is the primary thing. So whatever you are pursuing is what you are really worshipping. Last time we discussed or reminded ourselves of people that talk about retire young, retire early, retire young. Abby? No, retire, yes. Retire rich, retire young. Yes, the two things. And they pursue that aggressively. It's a form of worship. It's a form of worship. It's deception, but it's a form of worship. 
So these days we have systems that people worship. And if we are going to be blessed by God, all of them must be broken down. That's what we are saying. Everything people worship, apart from the true God, must be broken down, now listen to this, in the lives of his own children. God is not now calling out to the world. His, his assignment, his, that is, his word is to his children, those who claim to be believers in Christ Jesus. Because many times, people still worship other things. Israel had, listen, the worship of other things normally creep in gently. There was no time that Solomon denied Jehovah. There was no time that Solomon denied the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. There was no time. There was no time he stopped going to the temple that he built. There was no time he stopped offering sacrifices there. If God said, come three times a year, he went. But what was the problem? He went elsewhere too. All those small girls he married from Egypt. That guy is a funny human being. The first place he married from is where God said don't marry from. Can I quickly say something? Take every bit of scripture seriously. That's where we make the mistakes. We decide some things are not important. What you need is understanding. Ask for understanding in every sphere. Once you find it, please hold on to it. Don't discard it. Don't joke with it. Remember my saying, we used to say here, those days, what is that? Don't touch that scripture. Thank you. Don't touch that scripture. My favorite there that is the best illustration is from Psalm 127. It said, children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And what's the next line? Blessed is the one who has what? A quiver full of them. That's one scripture I've seen people twist and tear to pieces just because of modernism. If you don't understand it, leave it. I start hearing stupid things like, pardon me to use the expression, silly things like, it depends on the size of your quiver. And you ask them, how do you know the size of your quiver? Who made the quiver? Like I said to people, just leave it. You don't ha- just leave it. Don't dilute the scripture. Don't wreck it. Just quote it. Say, children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a reward. And it is blessed to have a quiver full of them. So if you see a woman that's had seven children, say, wow, you are blessed. Don't do that worldly nose, which if you do again, God may hook it up there for you. What are you doing with them? And if you are one, a woman like that, tell them, Jesus said it's, it's blessed to have a quiver full. Say, I'm blessed. He said, what are you doing with them? As if they're a problem. How can you look at what God calls a blessing and say it's a problem? And the same will be looking for money after one. They have never asked them, Goti, what are you doing with all your billions? They have never gone to Mark Zuckerberg and said, what are you doing with uh, $80 billion? Or ask Elon Musk, how are you worth more than $100 billion? They've not ever asked. But somebody has something more valuable than dollars. What are you doing with them? The world has taught, has twisted our minds. That's what the world, the twisted our minds, we don't appreciate value anymore. Don't touch that scripture. Don't joke with anything that the Lord says. If you don't understand it or you don't know how to apply it yet, just give thanks and leave it alone. God will lift you up to that level eventually. Why am I talking about that? Solomon never, listen, Solomon never got up one day to say, ah, this God won't serve him anymore. Some people like Ahab did that. 
Even Ahab didn't do that fully. I, I withdraw that. Ahab was still talking to prophets. And they were not supposed to be prophesying really by Baal. It was Jezebel that was the chief of the Baalian prophets. Ahab, see, I mean, he knew Micaiah. When Jehoshaphat says, is there no other? He called Micaiah. So you see, most of those kings in Israel, they never really denied Jehovah God. They never denied the Lord God. They just added to him. And God was always shouting, I am God, there is none else. Thou shalt not have no other God besides me. So they added to him. That was the problem. So Solomon added. Solomon added. He followed the girls he married from um, Syria to their temple. Followed the Egyptian ones to their temple. And little by little, you know what happened? The land became filled with gods until God rejected the household of David. I hope you're getting my point here. So what am I saying? God says, break down every idol in the lives of my children. I want every idol in their lives broken down. There is one God. You know, if the, the religions of this world, what they do is that they piece, you know, there are different pieces of life. So they add, add, each part of life has its own God. Let's take a Western Nigeria, which I know a bit of their culture. When it comes to weather, you understand? Whether it will rain or not rain, or that they, they have a God. The guy in charge, his name is Shongu. So you want rain, you talk to him. When it's fertility for the ground, there's one they call Oya. Do you get my point? When you're going to war, there's Ogun. They are different ones. They had control of different areas. They are different ones. And it's not just an African thing. If you go to Europe, it was like that too. Most parts of the world, when they don't know this God, the true God, that's how they have multiplicity of gods. In fact, the point that God was so angry with Israel. He said, your gods are more than your cities. Yeah, yeah Israel has so many gods. Uh, you have more gods than you have cities. Gods everywhere. Each god has an assignment. And that's what, the, the, that's what the world is selling to us till today. They want to give us different gods for different things. Is a god that will handle your health, want to handle your finances, want to handle your family, they have all kinds of gods. Again, this is the word of the Lord. Every single God must be broken down in the lives of my people. Amen. Yeah, every single one. Every single false God. Those gods listen to me. They don't. I want us to understand this. They promise. Now, have you ever asked yourself, where will Israel? Think about it. It's not a difficult uh, thing to think about. God showed himself with mighty signs when he was delivering people from Israel. From Egypt, truffles. How many plagues? They were clear. Pharaoh saw them. Apart from the Israelites, they were so clear. Pharaoh and the Egyptians saw these things. They did. And so he delivered Israel by a mighty hand. Then after delivering them through the tenth plague, the Passover plague, then they got to the edge of the Red Sea. What happened? He parted the Red Sea. Something that had never happened before. He opened the Red Sea and all of them went through. And there were all kinds of geological explanations, you know, for how it happened. It's not, he says it's not the Red Sea, it's the Red Sea. And it used to have low tide and high tide. And, that they were, and I'm telling you that they went through during low tide. And it's very reasonable, really. There's only one problem. How did the tide become low when they needed to pass? And suddenly it rose when they had finished passing and drowned all the Egyptians. 
the Red Sea drowned drown the whole army. Don't be ridiculous. Of course, around nonsense. The Bible gave us a correct account. Moses raised his hands, lifted his staff over the water, and the wind began to blow, and the water piled up. It didn't just it didn't go low. It piled up on their left and on their right, and they walked in through between. Think about that. They needed water. Moses hit the rock, and water gushed out. They needed food. Manna fell from heaven. Now I'm going somewhere. God made himself clear. I mean, it was so obvious that there was God. Not only that there was God, but that he was with them. At a point in time, he did something that very few people ever experienced. He spoke to the whole congregation at a time, and they all heard with their physical ears. They were the ones that said, we are tired of the conversation. Because this time God will speak, lightning, thunder, the earth will quake. They say, oh God, I saw you the gist, you gist. They say, wait, wait, let's do something. Moses, you, apparently you guys know each other. Go and hear. Then when we will have heard, you come and tell us. <laughs> but it was so clear. Now, why am I going to tell all of these things? Why will anybody still disobey him? Why will anybody still go and serve another God? Why? There are a number of reasons. There are two main reasons, actually. Two main reasons. One, this God is often slow. According to Peter, as some count slowness. He's not slow. It is as what? Some count slowness. He actually is not slow. But let's just take it the way they count slowness. It often appears slow. As some count slowness. So if he doesn't do it when we want it to do it, well, he can meet us later and we will have done it by ourselves. That's one. Number two, he is one God that does not... Listen, he doesn't just give you one commandment. He wants your whole life. And he has an instruction for every aspect of your life. His own juju is all around. I hope I get my point. If you are following him, he puts restrictions on your life. It is not that it's important to him. He will tell you who you can sleep with. He will tell you. Have you married him? No. No. That's it. He will tell you how you can spend your money. He will tell you what you can say and what you can say. He can tell you, you can't insult your head of state. I said an argument, well, not really an argument. I heard somebody passing the comment, I ignore most of the things he says anyway. Trying to present like a, you no, know, people always trying to throw jab at you. I felt like telling my guy that, listen, my brother, have you noticed that by your definition, there's no head of state of any country that you have ever been able to identify that God chose? Because wanted to prove to me that Hitler was not chosen by God. So it's possible to have a head of state not chosen by God. I said, who told you? In case you did not know, Adolf Hitler was single-handedly picked by the Lord himself and made the, Führer, not, uh, the chancellor of Germany. He made himself a Führer. What's a Führer? I don't know. I'm the emperor. Pastor Banker, he's saying Adolf Hitler was picked by God. Yes, yes, yes. Did he make him the head of state of Germany? Of course. Who do you think did? The devil? Of course not. But he killed many people. Yeah, you disappearing to the way you are looking at me like this. Am I shocking you what I'm saying? He wants to enter the chair. Did he choose him? Yes. Now, why do you think he didn't choose him? There's only one reason. He killed six million people and started the Second World War. Do you have any other thing to say more than that? Okay, let me ask you. How many wives did he have? Did you ever hear he stole somebody's money? I'm not saying he did not too. I'm just saying that did you know those things about him? Do you know what I used to speak in tongues? You have no idea. 
So the only reason why you say he was not chosen by God is not because he was head of state of Germany, which he was. It's because he started the Second World War and killed six million Jews and other minorities. True or false? It's true. To which I ask you a simple question. Does that make him worse than the Pharaoh in Egypt who dealt harshly with the Jews? Yet God declared by himself. He said, I raised you up. I made you Pharaoh. He said, but I have something in mind. I'm going to demonstrate my power in this experience with you. This same man was killing the Jewish children as they were being born. He took the adults once, made them slaves. He drove them hard. And he opened his mouth and said, who is God that should let his people go? Yet God said, for this cause I raised you up. So who raised him up? Was that one that said it? Was not God himself? So go and quarrel with God. That's an aside. I think I just brought my matter to you, which shouldn't have concerned you. <laughs> I'm not saying, so God has something to say. What you can say about your head of state, he has something to say. He puts so many restrictions on different parts of our lives. And he says, walk before me and be perfect and I will bless you. He takes his time. He's not in a hurry. Somebody says that two years after he left school, by now you should have a job that's paying you this amount of money every month. He said, I don't think so. I'm going to keep that in for 15 years. Somebody's getting scared. There's no need. He has, he has a plan for your life. And that plan is far better than the one you can ever imagine. That's just the way it works. It's a plan for good. Many people follow God just because of what he can give them quickly. That's why every time we announce miracles, I don't mean me, I don't do such things. I mean, we as Christians, people will follow today, today, today. You want to hear the truth? He doesn't do today, today all the time like that. There are times he calls you, Abraham, come. Abraham comes, so walk before me and be perfect, and I will bless you. Come, I'm taking you to a land that you don't know. And that one starts going like an idiot. That's why his neighbors called him. He didn't know where he was going. And he walked diligently. Do you know how long it took for God to fulfill his own primary agenda in the life of Abraham? 60 years. 60 years. 60 years. Called him at the age of 75. Trained him until Isaac was born at the age of at, as, um, 25 years later. Remember that? And then he continued to train him because that's not what he wanted. The birth of Isaac was a, was a prophecy also. He said God will provide for himself a sacrifice. So when he gave birth to Isaac, it was him providing for himself what? A sacrifice. A sacrifice. Then he trained the same Abraham till Isaac became like 35 years of age, sometime between 35 and 40. And then he said, now, go and sacrifice him. That was when God really achieved what he wanted in the life of Abraham. He's not in a hurry. You'll be waiting for one person for 60 years. Which kind of thing be that one? I mean, he's tiring. So God, now leave him. Baal will do it quicker. That's why people follow Baal. Baal does it quicker. After all, you know, if you eat the fruit, you become like God. Listen, what was the aim at the beginning? Did he not make them, how? In his image. After he was, his likeness. So the aim from the beginning, which I've already explained, is to make them like himself. So what is this eating of the fruit thing? I'll tell you. 
Because the process of reaching there is long. Just take a bite of the fruit. It's called shortcut. Just take a shortcut and you reach the place. Pastors do it. Now, please, I keep on talking about pastors. Not, not because they are the worst people in this world, though. It's just because I, I know them very well. They are my people. We're in the same job. You know, when you live in an area, you know all the problems of the people there. When you do a profession, you know everything that you are up to. So I know what we pastors do. So I'm not saying we are worse than other people. It's just that I know us. We have the fruit-eating way of growing the church. We have the fruit-eating way of raising money. We have the fruit-eating way of becoming successful as a minister. We have them. Satan tempts us with it all the time. We, for one, we can relate, relocate our ministry from where God wants us to be to where the offering is bigger. Uh, don't we do that? I'm just kidding. But when I say us now, I mean as Christians, as ministers in the body of Christ, we've done such things. It's nothing but the worship of Baal. It's nothing but the serving of another God so we can get quick results. Unfortunately, it does not get us the ultimate result that God was planning for in our lives. Satan just tricks us. In offering us what we are looking for, we lose the main thing that God wanted us to have. In offering, that's why, listen, this life, please listen to me. When they say, tonight, pray, what do you want God to do for you? Please, let me just beg you, just one prayer point, that I may know you. Leave that one there. He said it. He said, what if I need a child? What if I need a husband? What if I need a wife? What if I need money? Jesus says, seek first what? The kingdom of God. And all these things will be what? Added. Please, it will be nice. You will experience it one of these days. God will ask something to you. He didn't even remember to ask for. You are planning to ask for it next year. You don't gauge on your mind. So maybe by 2023, after the presidential election, we will now <laughs> start praying about this. Early 2022, he does it. And you are look, just by the way, if God gives you a wife, marry her quickly. Don't be stupid. God will give a man a wife. He will not be waiting to have money. May, God, may somebody else marry her while you are being stupid. Don't say amen because I don't want God to answer that prayer. I just want to threaten you. Nonsense. You will sit there and say, why have you not? He said, I'm looking for money. You think you will find it? You'll be looking. Let me tell you something about money. When he says you come, it also runs. God gives you a wife, just marry her, please. Who am I talking to? You know yourself, put up your hand if you are the one. Elder John is looking for you. <laughs> uh uh-uh. what is wrong with you, yourself? And then you, 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 you may say, be careful, though. Dream wedding is not of the spirit, it's of the flesh. I'm going to know. Dream wedding, what did I say? It's of the flesh, not of the spirit. Stop praying about it. God gives it to you. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't give you, mm-hmm. just marry, just say I do, go home. <laughs> what else are we looking for? You don't seem to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Some people are wasting the wasting man of God's time because you want him to be able to hire, what's the name of this, our hall downstairs? I'm at the hall. Do you know, do you know that's your two years rent? 
she wants to use to hire her for one day. Warn yourself seriously. You want God to collect the blessing back? When they are wasting your destiny, you say, so no, bros, don't waste my destiny. That's our right. You want to go and use to rent a hall. Eh? You can just tell the pastor, pastor, can we share food after service? Pastor, your own portion will be double. <laughs> if you can't hire a hall, just after church service, say, pastor, we don't, I'm not doing the reception. We just want to, yeah, I want the reception. You will get it in 10 years' time. Don't worry. It's never too late. Is it ever late? Let me tell you the truth. When God blesses you, that wedding, you will now redo it. Part two, thank you. Like they say, season two. Version 2.0. That time, you will now close the street. You now be killing, you know, you offer a thousand burnt offerings. You will be feeling like Solomon dedicating the temple. After your body is the tenth pool of the Holy Spirit. Say, so what are you doing? Want to dedicate it? You don't chop belly full. Jesus, if I, Jesus will even come for the party, you won't mind. But right now, version 1.0, you can't afford it. Don't go and borrow money. I hope you're getting my point. Let me not sit on the wedding thing. No, I will sit on it. I will sit on it. Let me sit on it because I need to help people. No, a month after wedding, I regretted buying new shoes. I regretted buying that shit. I'm telling you the truth. I realized it was a waste of my money. So I've been advising young men since, go and polish the shoes you have. And if you don't have, if you have a friend who doesn't mind, borrow his own for the day. It does not affect the quality of your married life. I've seen weddings. There's one I have in mind. The wedding was so, it was everywhere. To shop for the wedding international. After the wedding, honeymoon or sugar moon, sugar song, whatever it is, international. You know how long the wedding lasted? The marriage lasted? One month. One month. One month. International shopping to prepare. International honeymoon. One month. And it's not the first. There are many like that. So don't worry yourself at all. I hope you're getting my point. Mm-hmm. I think I can now leave that one for now. What, I'm trying to say, what was I trying to say, sir? I was trying to say something. I remember what I started with. When you are helping people, that's how you get confused in your ministry. <laughs> Somebody help me now. I've finished helping you. What a man, so that she shall also reap. I've helped people. Help me to remember what I was saying. Hmm? Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. See, I've been helped. What I'm going to say is that, see, many times, all right, as you are seeking, things you have not even planning, God will just add it to you. That's why now when you do that, some people just say, let me go. As you want to just start something, like this, God will give you a wife. Just marry her. Don't say, okay. Like I told one of our sisters, there's one guy that wanted to marry her. So I said, what's the plan? He said, the guy said that after his master's, I said, do you look like director of academic planning? That they are using your life to plan academics. The guy said, I'll go do my master's. After that, I've not. I said, oh, girl, he doesn't want to marry. Leave him. You know what? She listened to my counsel. She left the guy. I'm a man of God. Yes, and I said, nonsense. What kind of rubbish is this one? A man is telling you, a young woman, that after his master's, you now come and marry. Tell her, I said, there's no need. The Lord spoke to me that my husband doesn't have master's degree. There's no need. Some people are not serious at all. You tell the woman that after your master's, you never start to, the fellow, the nigga is still doing NYSE. 
I don't have to. That's what happened. That's why I'm angry. It's not like he's doing the master. He wants to finish. No, he never starts. He has not even finished NYC. And I remember her telling me something. I looked at her. I looked at her like, are you serious? He said, said, his mother really likes me. I said, so, are you marrying his mother? Hey, women, I've noticed something. Most mothers like good girls. It's not a sign of inspiration at all. Don't think the woman, she's not in the spirit. Just know you're a good girl. The woman just likes you and says, ah, this is a good daughter-in-law. Don't, it's not the Holy Spirit speaking through her. It's not a sign that God wants you. There are people that God wants a woman to marry, and their mothers don't like them. If your mother-in-law is Jezebel, she can't like you. And some of you will marry Jezebel's son. I hope you know that. I know it's, it won't be you, so you won't say amen. It's, it's the person beside you. <laughs> <laughs> Some good Christian men, their mothers are evil spirits. You don't know that. And if you come to her house speaking in tongues, she won't like you. So don't be surprised. The Lord is good. I just said that one because I've, I've heard that thing from women so many times. His mother really likes me. I'm looking at it so. In fact, there's one. Let me not go there. When she finished telling me, I said, listen, can't you see that, he, can't you see that her son is not normal? She's looking for a good girl to take care of a crazy man. And you, and you want to go and marry a crazy man. How can you marry a man? You never marry, I don't smoke it, boo. I like the way you squeeze your face. It shows that you disapprove. <laughs> the Lord is good. I told his sister, I said, my sister, Maybe you came to talk to me. Say yes. I say I forbid you. You know I have the spirit of God. Ah, I have the spirit of God. I have broken engagements by my word many times. I just look. I say break. One week later, they have scattered. Yes, and it's a sign I'm called of God. And there are people I've just joked with, marry, and they married. If you did not think I was anointed, now you know. I told her, I said, I told her, I forbid you. I said, this is Nigeria. Good men don't even smoke. Cigarette. How many pastors have you seen smoking? Any pastor smoking in Nigeria is not born again. In Nigeria, I talk, oh, there are American pastors who smoke and they are born again. Oh. I just say, for this our country, pastors don't smoke. Rapture is not for people like that. This is our country. I'm not saying the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Did I say the Bible says? But I've looked around. There are things we don't do. How many pastors have you seen with earring in the right ear? It's just not a Nigerian thing. When you get to Mexico, you may find it. You don't know that as a drug dealer or as a pastor. You don't know. But in Nigeria, we know. Even if you're wearing earring before you give your life to Christ as a man, you remove it. When we're baptizing you, you fall inside the water. That's how we roll. Are you getting my point? This is Nigeria, man. So I told my sister, I said, how much more when the guy is now smoking Igbo? Did that your friend still call you? There's someone that said that he should call you. She hasn't called you. There are strength is happening in this world. 
A woman smoking in book. Oh, she has called you. I hope you have delivered her. You know you are anointed. Please, just by the way, don't smoke Igbo. You will go mad. I'm begging you. Don't smoke weed. If you're a child of God, you quench the spirit when you smoke weed. If you smoke cigarette, you quench the spirit. If you smoke weed, you quench the spirit. It's more quenched than before. Smoking weed is satanic. I hope you're getting my point. You know, I have this classmate who's a psychiatrist in the UK. She's he's always on the wrong side. The other day, he said something. I told him that I hereby deny it from today. I don't know you again. A man was arrested for sleeping with his daughters, like six of them, Nigerian man in America. And he said, so what's our problem? I said, what did you say? That the problem we have is that we think with a religious mindset. I look and say, thunder. You know that kind of thing. Now, that's the kind of person he is. Whether it was just a joke, I said, this is your joke. It's not funny. Another of our guys, that one's in the U.S., say, look, if this is a joke, better stop this nonsense. Now, that's not why I'm talking about it. You see see where I'm going. So it's always on the wrong end. Yet, he opened his mouth a few weeks ago and told us that the number of mad people, he's a psychiatrist, that the number of mad people he's having to deal with in the U.K. because they smoke Igbo, that he's tired. That they should please tell these people that this Igbo will not help anybody. Now, I hope you're getting my point. He started complaining that the way they are legalizing Indian help, that they will soon see. I said, what? You, that you are never normal. You can't even see it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Please, child of God, if you smoke Igbo, you will go mental. So let's get it clear. Don't let the world deceive you. It crazes people. Is that English good? No? Uh-huh. Reverend Yankasa is acceptable. How are you saying it's not good? Please, do not smoke Indian hemp. Do not smoke cannabis. Do not smoke wee-wee. Do not smoke marijuana. Which other name do I need to call it for you? Do not smoke Igbo. You know, I was, when I started preaching, I didn't used to say things like this. Until I began to see things. And now later, simple things like, like this that I say, people get delivered. And many young men, especially, and one or two young women added to them, listening to me today, they have been delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. From today, you will not smoke again. Amen. Your brain cannot be the devil's workshop. The devil is looking for a way to cross leg and hang. He hangs his legs on your, your cerebral cortex. Do you think it's good? You know, sometimes the devil don't work out, he don't tie. He say, where do I hang he normally hangs his feet on the brain of those who are on drugs who are smoking in their hem. He will not come to your house in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just pray for people here who have children. None of your children will smoke Igbo in Jesus' name. Amen. They will not smoke in the name of Jesus. Amen. They will not be able to smoke in Jesus' name. Amen. God will not let it enter their mouth. Amen. Any friend that brings in them, the friend will disappear by himself. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. their bodies are preserved as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we are going to get down to my message today, all right? It's just that many things are coming along the line, all right? So like I was saying, 
Seek the Lord. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, just seek the Lord. As you seek the Lord, many things will be added to you that you don't even realize that you needed at that time. God will meet all your needs. You are not even thinking about them. There are people who have thought that, okay, by 2025, they'll be married. End of 2022, they're already married. By 2025, they were thinking they decided school run. Sometimes he hey, hey, if I had thought about it, God said, eh, I didn't even allow you. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Just seek who? The Lord. Seek the Lord. And now, please, back to where we began from. There must be no other gods in our lives. We are preaching this series to break down every single God that may have been added by the world to us. Those gods, what do they do? They prevent us from being blessed. That's the point I'm going to make. We have to break them down. I just like reading this particular scripture to help us. Second Chronicles, we want to read the story of Asa. Second Chronicles chapter 14. Oh, let me see where do we start from. Yes, chapter 14, Second Chronicles. Now, we're going to read from verse 1, but it's a, where I'm going is actually uh, the following chapter also. And I want us to see this. It's very important. You know, I was saying that why do people worship other gods? Can you remember that? One of the reasons I said is what? Yes, the true God can be slow sometimes. It takes his things a bit slowly, and people sometimes get impatient with him. Second reason I said, he demands a life of righteousness all around. And for that reason, many people get um, tired. They want to live life the way they want it, while God still blesses them the way they want it. Now let me just say that to you, it doesn't work. What did I say? Any church where the prophet is always prophesying for you about the people that don't want you to succeed, promising you the things that you want, but never saying anything about your personal life, you are in the wrong place. If your prophet is always identifying who's doing you, who's after you, the witch that's holding back your destiny, I want to say to you, it's a false prophet you are following. There are two kinds of false prophets. There are confused prophets who don't know they are false. And there are false prophets who know they are false, but who just think that's how the business is done. Whichever way, you are still following the false prophet. And if you're a false prophet, please don't bother arguing with me. All your life, all you have been doing is checking who's doing somebody. You are not doing the ministry of Jesus Christ. You're not. All your visions are, there's a witch there are some people, you are not doing the ministry of Christ. The ministry of Christ points to the person's character. Israel had powerful neighbors who God raised as a test of Israel's spirituality. If Israel disobeyed God, he will bring judgment against them from the north. And this was the king of Babylon. And God never said that it's because the man is wicked or the man is strong. He says, because you have sinned against me. So let's not worry ourselves about those, for, uh, those uh, people that don't like us. Bear that in mind. God, in following him, he demands that we walk in righteousness and we walk in holiness. It's the reason why people many times don't follow him. They want a God that does not make demands. Many times, I gave the example, I think on Tuesday. People come here. My wife told me, but somebody asked her a question. And he told the person, just keep coming after a month. This will have been answered as pastor will be teaching. The person was too impatient, wanted an answer now. 
My wife said, sorry, I don't have an answer for you. And I said to her, she's very, very lucky, lucky in quotes, that you are the one she met. She did not meet this weekend so. That if she had met Pastor Okimuti, that one's prescription is six months to one year. He has done it to you before. I can see it in your face. <laughs> if you go and meet him and ask him, come, he will look at you. So he bring out his prescription paper. Attendance at Bible study. <laughs> two times a week. Two and a half hours each time. No distraction. Your phone will be off for six months. See me in six months. So when my wife gave somebody a appointment for one month, I said, ah, you are very kind. Women are so nice. This, this pastor is a very wicked one. He's only six months minimum. One day, a woman sent him a text at night. He said, I want to commit suicide. You know what he did? He coins his phone. <laughs> his wife said, ah, she wants to commit suicide. He said, it's a lie. <laughs> so his wife said, how do you know? He said, people who commit suicide, they leave notes. Not they don't send texts. <laughs> People are avoiding you now. <laughs> I don't spoil your PR. <laughs> but it, is, it speaks by the Spirit. When people come to they want quick answers. He said, no, sit down and hear the word of God. And those who bother, they never bother to come back. I mean, to come and see him. Really, the answers come as the word of God is coming forth. That's why people follow. You know, these false prophets, they are, why God has not judged them many times, that they are not the problem. Yeah. It's the people that follow them. They like lies. They want somebody to say, it's not your fault. If somebody is a distant cousin who's jealous of your father, who said nobody in your family will do well. So they have raised seven altars. You are not going to raise seven altars. Altar versus altar. Uh-huh. We like it like that. You raising altar, it has never worked, you know. It doesn't work, it can't work. You just keep on hearing the story. You see it on billboards. All those altars are on billboards. Nonsense. Settle down and hear the word of God. I had one man preaching yesterday. Good man. I liked him. But he got to that particular point. I said, bro, you need to up, up your game in this area. Get ready for demonic attack. I said, why? Why should I get ready for demonic attack? Demon not the respect person. Don't demon, they, they know they look high. Why should I get ready for demonic attack? Did I take their wife? Man, let me tell you, there are two ways you get ready for demonic attack. Stolen money and stolen women. Those are the only two things. Did you hear what I said? Let me talk to men. Once you don't steal somebody's money and you don't steal somebody's woman, leave them. Do the devil like this. He's a tempter. That's what he is. He's a tempter. Don't get ready for any demonic attack. The Lord is good. Why people follow those false prophets, remember? It's because those people remove responsibility from the individuals. It's not you. It's your cousin. It's your grandfather that went and buried something. That's not, it's not because of you. Listen to me. Don't be deceived. It's you. What am I doing wrong? I don't know too. You will go and pray. It doesn't mean you are a grave sinner. You didn't kidnap somebody. That's not what we're talking about. Sometimes God just wants to adjust a part of your life. Sometimes you have other gods in your heart, which God needs to break. Other gods can be simple things. I've seen Christians, you want to tell the person, this is a foreign god in your heart. Idols. 
They have systems, ideas in their minds. Do you know, there are still people, priests from now till tomorrow, they still believe that I'm from Anambra, so the wife or husband that will marry must be from this kind of area. And when you do that, let me tell you the truth. You are opening your life for demonic spirits. I've gotten to the swing of my message. When you do those things, you are opening your heart for demonic spirits. Bear it in mind. Listen. Other gods, what they do is allow evil spirits into your life. Many times they are promising things, but they can't deliver. And even if they seem to deliver temporarily, what they are taking away from you is greater than what they are giving. I saw a man in Lagos many years ago. He used his story to illustrate many times. And I shook my head. I said, this is bondage. A friend of mine was sitting in a Bible school of a particular church. That church, I look back, as a very funny church. One of these white garment things. But he was a teacher. So he got a job in their school. Teaching theology. So I used to take a stroll to his place in the evening. Just to go and relax. We served together. So then I would see this sharp 504. Brand new. The man bought it. People were still driving 504 those days. He would drive to the church park, and go and lie down on the pew to sleep. He did that every night. So my friend told me the story. So they said they had delivered him. He was oppressed. Those people, they were familiar spirits. So they now had control of his life. And one of the prescriptions they gave him for deliverance was that he had to be sleeping inside the church. So for protection, he had a beautiful house somewhere in Surulere. He had a big business. He could buy his cars brand new. I'm talking about this was 1993. If I'm mistaken, the 94, 94, 93. Bought his cars brand new. How many people could do that those days? Yet, he will leave everything and come and lie down. He will bring pillow and they, they will give him the wrapper he will use. Cover himself on the church wood. That's why he was sleeping regularly and they said he had been delivered. And I shook my head for him. I said, this guy had left one form of bondage for another. If Satan offers you deliverance, it's so that he might bind you later. That's all. True deliverance is found only in one place. If the sun shall set you free, you will be free indeed. There's no freedom anywhere else. Those people that are saying, let us come and break the bomb, the, 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 the curse of your grandfather left behind, they're not helping you. Jesus does not break curses, in case you did not know. He doesn't have time for it. He lifts people up, leaves them out from a particular curse, and puts them in another realm of life. That's what he does. Did you hear what I said? Jesus does not have time breaking curses in your family. Listen, if your family seems to have an ancestral curse, and listen, those things exist. When I preach the way I preach sometimes, I assume I'm talking to believers who have been lifted from that realm. So don't even lie to your cousins, or to your siblings, that they can be set free, except they give their lives to Christ. All those contractors you bring to the house to come and pray and break curses, they just came to eat. That is where, that's where they get their money from. Even they, they know that their prayers don't work. They've never seen anybody deliver, trust me. But they continue doing it because that's where the money is. There's one man I watch, on, you know, like I get this video once in a while, He's a comedian. He tells all kinds of strange stories. And I'm persuaded not one is true. Not one. They went to a house to go and remove evil spirits. As he was coming, he says, I saw how the Lord carried me in the spirit to the bottom of the ocean. And I saw where they tied up. I said, this man, why do you lie? You know why he does that? It's business. And people like it. 
This guy is so unserious, but if you see the congregation follow him, people like it. Because true deliverance requires you to sit the way you are seated, seated now, listening to me. True deliverance requires you to sit for a long time, to have your heart transformed regularly. That's what true deliverance requires. Who don't like that? Let nobody come to your family and say they want to break ancestral causes. It can't be broken. They are not breakable. Not because they are strong, but because Jesus does not have that time. I hope you're getting my point. Let us assume, for example, now my child is in a boarding house somewhere and they have bed bugs. I hope you're getting my point. Now, apart from bed bugs, so every time he comes home, he has skin rash everywhere. I can identify this as bed bug bites. Now, follow me. Then he loses weight because the food is bad. Always having uh, diarrhea because the water is bad. On top of that, he doesn't know anything. Why? They don't teach. Our English teacher does not speak English. <laughs> Think about that. I say, okay, what about your biology teacher? He says, he's still writing um, uh, Wayek himself. So then, you see where I'm going in a moment. So I now decide to take my child from that school. And I take that child to another school. Do you think I'll have time to be killing their bed bugs? Do you think I'll have time to be quarreling with the principal but that they have an English teacher that does not speak English? No, answer me. What will I do? I just take my child out of the dominion of darkness and take my child into the kingdom of the dear son in whom they have redemption, even the forgiveness of what? Sins. That is why Jesus does not break ancestral curses. He doesn't have that time. Not like, like I don't know how to kill bed bugs. Let me tell you how to kill bed bugs. Burn the mattress. <laughs> it's one way. But that's not the point. That's just as an aside. But will I be bothering myself with all those things? Will I be bothering myself with getting tanker to bring water to the school? Trying to help them restructure their body house? Will I bother? No, I just deliver my child out of the dominion of what? Darkness. And put the fellow in the kingdom of the dear son. In whom they have good water. Do you get my point? That is the issue. Jesus does not break family curses because his deliverance is when they give their lives to Christ. So don't lie to your brothers and your cousins. They can't be delivered through prayer. Let them simply get up and give their lives to whom? To Christ. That's all. Let them be baptized in water. Let them confess their sins. That's what they need to do. And then give their lives to Christ. That is the real breaking of ancestral curses. The people cannot continue living the way they were living before and expect that the curse will be broken. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. I hope you are getting my point. People have been deceived, carrying people to the village to go and be there. Where was, where, was it, where was the grandfather's shrine? You now see a pastor be there praying. To do what? Where did you see Paul do that? You think they didn't have ancestral shrines those days? As long as they don't go back there to worship. I hope you're getting my point. As long as they don't go back there to worship, they are not bound by that shrine. As for your cousins that don't want to go to church, they are bound permanently by the curse upon the family. But you, you have been set free. How do I pray for my cousins, you say? Pray. That God will open their eyes. That they will see the light of the gospel of Christ. That's what you will do. Pray for them that their eyes will be opened. That they will repent and give their lives to Christ. Listen, you can pray to God to soften the hand of judgment against people. 
But that's just to buy them time to repent. If they do not repent, ultimately they will perish. There's no intercession against that. So you need to pray with desperation for the people that you love who have not come to know Christ. You need to pray with desperation for them that they will know Jesus. Because that's the only place where you find true deliverance. Most of these deliverance shops are just making their own money. It's shop. You know what they call shop? The people opened it to chop. Bear it in mind. I said we should open somewhere, right? Let's read it. Now, let's look at Second um, Chronicles chapter 14. Now, I said because of time, we are reading a lot, okay? So, we are going to jump here and there. But let's just start. We wanted to read the story of Asa. Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. That's verse 1. That's verse 1. And his son Asa became king in his place. And is that Asa we want to talk about? The land was on the store for 10 years during his days. Now listen to this. Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. For he removed the foreign altars and high places. Tore down the sacred pillars. These are foreign gods. He cut down the Asherim. That was a pole. And commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers. And to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was undisturbed under him. Please follow this. As a man was breaking down altars, peace was restored in his kingdom. I hope you are following that. He built fortified cities in Judah since the land was undisturbed. And there was no war, no one at war with him during those years. Because the Lord had given him what? What God gives you when you remove other gods is what? Rest. Is what? Rest. Say it loud. Rest. The man got rest, not by pursuing rest, but by removing other gods. Now, which verse? Seven. For he said to Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Now, as I had a, let me just summarize, a large army. I'm, spent, I'm just saving time there. Now, verse 9. Now, Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Maresha. So Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up in battle formation in the valley of Zephatha. At Maresha. Then Asa called to the Lord his God. Now notice who did he call to? The Lord his God. Is the person you are seeking that will deliver in the day of battle. Look at what he said to the Lord. Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord, our God. For we trust in you. And in your name have come against this multitude. Oh Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. Now, not, not against us. Against you. So the Lord routed the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gera. And so many Ethiopians fell that they could not recover. For they were shattered before the Lord and before his army. And they carried away very much plunder. That is Asas and his people. 
Now, let me just, um, then at the end of verse 15, he said that he returned to Jerusalem. Now, go to chapter 15. Now, the Spirit of the Lord came on Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. He said, for many days Israel was without the true God. That was before Asa. And without a teaching priest and without law. Anytime you know the true God, he gives you teachers that will instruct you in his way. And you will learn his commandments. Now in verse 4 he says, but in their distress, that was what happened. In their distress they returned, they turned to the Lord God of Israel. And they sought him. And they let them find him. Before that, look at what happened in verse 5. In those days, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. For many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every kind of distress. That was their history. He said, but you, that was what Azariah was now saying. Be strong and do not lose courage for there is reward for your work. So you know what Asa did? When he heard these words, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. Anytime the, you have a nation like this country we are in now, and the church there is established, you find that we have, we've had church across Nigeria for maybe up to, up to 100 years. We are, we've had denominations from Borno State to Cross River State, from Lagos to Sokoto State. Even in the place we, we assume they are Muslim um, states, we've had churches established there. Anytime you see the nation vexed, it's usually a reflection of the attitude of God towards his people in that land. Now, that's number one. Number two, if they want to see deliverance, if the people want to see deliverance, listen, one of the major problems we have had is this idolizing a man. I don't, I can't, I find it hard to believe that people will actually gather and be blaming President Buhari for the problems of Nigeria. I don't understand how you came to that because he came just recently. I don't know whether you're getting my point. When did he come? It's not just a few years ago. In case you've forgotten, he's also living next year. Before him, we blame somebody. Then he came, we began to blame him, and we have not learned our lesson. We are still comfortable lying with the gospel. And just by the way, if we... T- See, some of you, eh, you have to change the church you are going to. You know, I'm not starting the church, so I'm not asking you to come to my own. I hope you're getting my point. But you have to. Do you know the reason why? After a while, God starts holding you responsible by your very presence for the iniquities of your pastor. Oh, yes, it gets to that point. It, it gets to that point. Now, it's not for everybody. Some people, you are too young. God doesn't really, it doesn't, you know, you can't be held responsible for that. But many people, especially those who hang around, I hope you get my point. It gets to a point, God will say, you know, by your very presence, you are leading young people astray. You no, know, I went through that kind of phase in my life at a point. You know, before, I used to do things, <laughs> let's not give them offense. Let's not give them offense. But the point came, I realized something. That everything I do, people are watching. 
It's a statement for those who are following me. So I became difficult. I became stubborn. So if you are somewhere, you say, oh, okay, who's going to give 50,000 naira? And I plan to give 100. I won't answer. A few years before, I would have stood up and said, mm, let's not make this. This man will now collapse now if we don't stand up. As he's there and he's wondering why this is my committed people, not committed to this thing. I hope I get my point. So before I just, mm, I bet, let's just stand up. You just stand up and say, okay, in your mind, Jesus said we shouldn't give like this. But after a while, especially when I came to Enugu, uh, by the time I got to Enugu, I stopped that thing. <laughs> I'll say this was going to make you laugh. I was in a particular church in Lagos those days. But by that time I started, I had realized, because by the time I finished NYC, settled in Lagos, it had been, people were younger than me on campus. They were graduating. They were beginning to watch me and all of that. So I didn't know who was in the church that day. So the pastor said the key to prosperity, you must be a regular titan and all of that. Well, it's anybody's opinion. You know my opinion about those things, so it didn't bother me. He now said, if you have not been tithing regularly in this church, if you have been tithing regularly, stand up. There's no church that can get 10% of the congregation to stand. He said, regularly. Most people, are, they, they are tight eaters. Is that not true? You, you pastored before. I mean, was your tithe ever complete, the people, your members? So he now said, okay, let's forgive them. That if you say, from now on, you'll be tithing regularly, stand up. Of course, you know what happens under such circumstances? Everybody stood up, apart from one nigger, <laughs> one black man. I wasn't comfortable, but I sat. I sat. I, I, I'm not going to answer. I sat. Don't put me as an elder in your church. It doesn't concern me. I sat. And there was only one thought in my mind. I said, there are people watching. Because it was a large congregation. I didn't know who was there. I said, there are people watching. If I stood, I would be lying against the people of God. I, I refused. I, that was when my stubbornness began. I sat because I realized I was beginning to make statements with my life. So after that, when you can say, who's giving this? I, I won't get up. If I see the, the person who is raising money is using corner eye to look my side, I may take a piece of paper and start writing. He will think I'm writing my pledge down. Maybe it's a rise of compatriots I'm writing. He doesn't know. I don't. <laughs> but I won't stand. And what's my reason? I just used to feel that, listen, there is a way we are doing things that Jesus said we shouldn't do. We should learn to give in secret. And I decided that, no, I will make my life an example for people to follow who want to do what is right. Now, what am I saying there? Let's bear this in mind. Do you know why there's Boko Haram in Nigeria? It's because of us. you know why there's crisis? When I heard some crisis that we have in parts of Anambra, when I heard it yesterday, my father in heaven. I didn't know it was possible. Man gave me a list of villages and towns that nobody should mistakenly drive through in Anambra and part of Imo. So I shared it with some people. And instantly, ah, I didn't tell you, I, I was getting people to say, oh, yes, it is true, it is true. We had the experience, it is true. Somebody came to our church to testify. I said, my God. But you know who God is holding responsible? The church. There is a reflection of your thought processes. It's a reflection of your attitude it's a reflection of your behavior. That's why your nation is in shambles under your watch. Don't forget that. It is iniquity against God for anybody to blame any head of state or any federal government right now. Because it's God that grants rest roundabout. I reason about it a lot of times. You know, Enugu, they have struggled to disturb us. We will continue to pray. 
So those are our billboards. Some people can be laughing at the billboards. You know our billboards now? A no-go is where? It's in whose hands? You can use it to laugh at us, but we have confirmed that word by prayer, that we are in the hands of God. And listen to me, if you're a troublemaker, hear the word of the Lord. We have donated you to destruction. Whether you say amen or not is a fact. Troublemakers, I want to come out of town to come and shake us. We have donated them to destruction. Nobody will take our peace away. My emphasis is God that gives peace. It's God that gives peace. But let's get back to our message. Listen to this. How did Asa achieve peace in his life? Now, let's take it as our life now, individual lives. How did they achieve peace? By breaking down every idol, every foreign god. And that's the assignment we have. You must break them down with aggression. Please bear it in mind. It's something you do aggressively. You look at your finances. What are My initial plan today, but time has gone now. And then because of all of the, a lot of the environmental noise we had, I may not be able to get into that. I don't want to start now because if I start now, I will flow. If I flow, you won't go home. My plan today, all right, initially, if I titled my message, but I don't like to give it at the beginning because I may not get there. And apparently I'm not getting there now, so we'll stop, we'll stop along the line. If God allows, we'll come back to it. I'd called it dethroning mammon. It's a continuation that was initial plan from what I preached last time. That we have to deliberately dethrone mammon. But before we get into that, let me say this to us again. The world gives us their systems. I mean, we've already established that those systems are the gods that they want us to serve now, right? But this is a point I'm making. What they promise they can't deliver. I hope you're getting my point. But when we follow them, what God promises, he also cannot deliver. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. What the world promises, for example, they promise us financial stability. We can retire and rest and have no trouble. They can't deliver it. But when we follow them, attempting to have success by their God, our own God, who has the ability to do what he says, also cannot deliver. Why? Because they tempted God in the wilderness and did what? limited the Holy One of Israel. We would have limited his power. How did Asa get the power of God into his life? He broke down foreign gods. He broke down foreign gods. He broke down foreign gods. You know the truth? Many of us have never experienced the power of God in the area of finances. Now when I say power of God, I don't mean becoming rich like uh, that's not what I'm talking about. You know Jesus didn't have a bank account that's fat. The ministry has some extra money because we used to give them money. So, who carried it? Yes. Judas. Very interesting. You want your ministry to grow. You gave the only thief. Maybe he did it in the interest of peace. Because if he gave it to John, John was a young man. Judas was steal from John. Then John and Peter will quarrel. Are you getting my point? But now that the thief was the one holding the bag, there was no need for to quarrel. Judas will quarrel with himself. He couldn't accuse anybody of anything. Only he knew the amount of money that was there. Only knew how much was left. And the interesting part, Jesus is very interesting. Jesus knew. So when they said, bring money, he said, there's no money. Jesus laughed. He knew where the money went. He said, pay, pay the, the temple tax. Remember? They said, there's no money. Jesus said, don't worry. He did, like somebody said, he didn't tell Peter what happened to the money. Because if he did... <laughs> 
That ministry won't be the same after that day. He didn't. What did he do? He just told, now nah, that's what I'm talking about, experiencing the power of God in the realm of finances. What did he just do? He just told Peter, take your hook. Can you get a hook? He said, yes, sir. Get a hook. Go to the waters. Catch a, go and fish. The first fish you catch, open the mouth. He wasn't going to give them a million dollars. He was just going to give them what? Enough money to pay for Jesus and Peter. And they were the two people that the money was being demanded of illegally though at that particular point in time. That's what I mean by supernatural supply. The world teaches us that, look, you need to have a predictable income. You need to structure life in such a manner that when you retire, this is what your investment will be returning to you on a daily basis. Now, this is the interesting part. They don't tell us that that thing feels a lot. It feels a lot. It feels a lot. Please, let me just remind us of a few stories. Let's leave Nigeria for a moment because we have not bought too much into that. Let's use the United States, which is, is their life. Is their life. I said this before. Let me say it again. Many times God blesses people. The blessing becomes an idol. Many people have been blessed. They've created idols in the midst of divine blessings. It's a blessed nation. But they created idols. They created idols. So they said, this is how you plan your life. Do you know the truth? A few years ago, a man called Bernard Madoff, they all gave him their life savings not knowing he was a big fraud. After they had contributed about how many million dollars, billion dollars, that is something billion dollars, one of the man declared the company bankrupt or something. All their life savings vanished while they were watching. I still remember a particular man, and I don't know what I'm mixing to story, but I, let me tell you one I cannot forget. This man and his wife, they were millionaires. If you see the area of um, California, I think they lived in, Beautiful. You know, America has beautiful homes. Oh, they do. They do. They have beautiful, you know, they have a land. Europe, they don't have anything. If you go to America, Europe, what do they have? They cut 350 square meters for you and built one. Nonsense. Americans will build one small house on three hectares of land. That one is, you know, river, seawater, lake. Then you, you, you drive. And they have beautiful houses. They spend a lot of money just landscaping. If you have that kind of house, please do the landscaping. You know, Jesus will come there once in a while. I'm telling you. And I will also come too. Just let me have your address. All right? <laughs> Beautiful. But you know what? All their life savings were gone. This man is about 50-something or 60, and his wife, they returned to driving an Uber taxi. As they were being interviewed, I don't know whether it was Uber at that time, but as they were being interviewed, they got a call. Oh, some people just arrived at the airport. And you know, these people, are, they are used to working. They are used to working. They had this beautiful Arab class Mercedes Benz. They used to go and carry passengers from the airport. Why? Bernard Madoff just took away their life savings. What pained them most was that they had to return to working. I, I watched it happen. Again and again. I remember, okay, I, I won't mix the story. There's another particular crash that happened around that time during the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac issue. Of course, that, you know, Little Rock collapsed somewhere. The banks were collapsing worldwide. Even AIG went down. I remember one man and his wife, they had ejected them from their home. They were now living in a, what they call a trailer home. You know this caravan? Uh -huh, yes. Time, look, that thing may look fine because you're not living there. It's just meant for traveling, you know, for camping. If you live there regularly for one week, you almost go mental. Especially when you have a wife and you have children. And as they were interviewing them, and the guy was explaining, he said, it was not supposed to be like this. He didn't know when this old man broke into tears. It feels a lot. 
but they market it to us again. Now, they don't have a choice. It's the world. The world cannot market God to you. You have to discover God yourself. Did you hear what I said? The world cannot market God to you. You have to discover him yourself. The world will not market God to you. They have to market what they have. They re-engineer it and start again. After a few years, it collapses again. It's the way it works. You need to discover God by yourself and deliver yourself from the God that they have made out of their own financial structure. Because of time, I'll tell you another story. To show you how God works, he supplies this, I read this, I think, in a particular tract. It supplies in interesting ways. What has happened is that many of the things we have done, those things have blocked his hand from flowing to our lives because we have our eyes focused elsewhere. I read this story in a particular tract some time ago to give, us an ex- give an example of how God works miraculously. A couple, good Christians they were, apparently. You know, there are times you can't even trust in the, the human system because you don't have the... You have not invested anything inside. <laughs> they had a small pension, but just a man and his wife. Now, the house they were living in belongs to an elderly man who knew them, who, and they had lived there for a long time. So their rent was very low. Then the man died. After the man died, his son, who was very angry with his father was doing things, decided he was going to eject those people so that they could you know, refurbish the house and then I mean, earn some good money from the house. Maybe they were paying maybe $100 a month. He knew he could get up to 500 So why are these people wasting my time? So he told his agent to serve them quick notice. So the agent served them quick notice. And one day he came back to the agent and said, hey, guy, how far? The guy said, I've decided I'm not managing your house again. Ah. He said, what do you mean? I said, eject you for me. He said, I can't eject them. Why not? He said, look, just take your house. Find somebody else. Do you know what happened? The agent actually served, served them the quick notice. Then one they decided to go by there to go and see how the people were doing, how that they had moved. As they got to their door, something in him just said, don't knock. So he didn't knock. So then he just go around. As he was moving around, he heard there was a window open. This really happened. It was also in the United States. The, a window was open. So he stopped at the window and began to hear a conversation. Now the conversation was between the old man and his old wife. And I think like one was telling the other, hurry up, we're supposed to pray now. And he just froze there and began to hear the conversation. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit. The Lord said, stay here and listen. So they began to pray. The woman was the one praying. He said, Lord, I want to thank you for being good to us all, this life, all these years. That now that we're about to be homeless. So we just wanted to know. He said, well, we are obedient children of yours. Being homeless is not a big problem for us, really. He said, the only problem is that you now mention her husband's name that his back has been paining him recently. So it may be a problem for them to be without a proper bed and all of that. So they just talked about it and said they wanted the Lord to know. And Jesus named their prayer. They didn't even ask for anything. They just, like, God, solve this all because they were willing to pack and go and live in the will of God on the streets. So that man was frozen there as he listened to the conversation. And the only reason they were going to be ejected was because this man wanted to get more money. That's all. Their pension was enough to pay for what the rent they had at that particular point in time. So because of that, he, his conscience did what? <laughs> Smote him. So he went back and told the landlord, say, oh boy, 
sorry, I don't have the liver to eject those people. So you can take your house, give to another person to manage. So when he finished telling that man, the young man, the story, the young man looked at him like, what kind of human being are you? Why do you go around listening to other people's conversations? So angrily, he told him, you will go back to them. Tell them somebody has paid for the house. And they can live there till they die. <laughs> and they don't have to pay rent anymore. So he did his hand in his pocket. Okay, that other guy said he was going to visit them. Yeah, he said he was going to visit. So he just felt like taking some things to go, you know, Americans would call it groceries. Nigerians would call it provision, right? So he was going to buy some groceries. <laughs> Americans call it groceries. There's no groceries for us. I mean, it's provision. <laughs> So he said he was going to buy provisions and go and visit the elderly people. So that guy, you know, in his anger, he didn't have his pocket, gave the guy $100. He said, add more to the thing you want to give them. And please, stop listening to other people's prayers. <laughs> you know what God did? God gave them that house. They did not have to pay a dime. Or, and he never told them who did it. The agent just got there, greeted them, said, ah, there's a new development. What is it? You are not being ejected anymore. One man came, paid your rent, and said you can stay here the rest of your life. That he will take over the house after you will have passed on. And that's how God supplied their needs. Listen, the economy of God, the problem is that we have not tapped enough into it. Please, God, if the Lord allows me, we'll come back. I will need to talk about dethroning mammon. Because what we are doing in the world is worshipping mammon. And that story I read from John Alexander Dowie. After he had lost his ministry, lost many things, he had become ill. He was a very well-known man of God. But he mismanaged the ministry, mismanaged many things. The Lord just took everything from him. He was now in his house, really not going anywhere. He was not very strong. And one man came one day. You can read the story in the book, John Alexander Dowie. That's the name of the book. Gordon Lindsay. That's the name of the author. And that particular day, a man came to visit him. One of the, you know, like, some people just know how to honor men of God. So he came, he's an elderly man. But he wasn't really old. He died at the age of 60. But he's been in ministry for so long, you think he's an elderly man. But he's a senior minister. So as this guy was about to leave, something him just prompted him to give the man. In their time, that was a lot of money, $50. Because it's the story I'm telling you. That way died which year? Who can remember? It's long ago. I mean, it's not less than 100 years ago now. It's not less than 100 years ago, if I remember well. Okay. So $50 that time was heavy money. Now, he needed the money to pay his own mortgage. In fact, that's what he kept the money for. But that day, he looked, and something him just said, give this, old, uh, this senior guy the money. So he took the money and gave to the man. And that man took the money, and he was very grateful, and he prayed for him. He said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And that one said, Amen. And he left. A few days later, his uncle called him. He happened to have a very rich uncle. That one called him, how are you doing? I'm fine. How about your house? He said, I'm paying mortgage on it. He said, how much is remaining? The guy told the uncle. The uncle paid everything instantly. He had risked that house to give Dawi $50. And God said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Or should I tell you the story of Mary Kay, which I read in her book also? Her pastor said to her, please come to church. Help us motivate the church members to give. I'll talk about that giving thing later. It is important as a child of God that you're a cheerful giver. 
I had a few experiences over the last few days, and I realized that my problem has been that I've dealt with Christians so much, I don't realize how stingy and wicked human beings are. Remember our guy in Oka? The question he asked us. He said, my friend says, I'm very stingy. That my friend doesn't like me, shows me no respect. I said, me too, I will not show you any respect. Nobody shows respect to a stingy person. You, you do? If nobody respects you, that's the reason why you. It's not because you don't have, it's because the little you have, you chop alone. And you know the truth, you will die alone. Your burial, nobody will come. And they are burying your staff from a distance, you'll be looking at you. See, thank God he has died. If you remember that young man, he said that, in fact, I wish I'd kept that um, question. Way, because as we read, I said, oh, but you are diagnosing your own problem. Of course, at the end of the day, he explained to us that he was a student. I said, it's not about you don't have. It's not about being a student. It's an attitude that is perceptible to your friends. And I said, you have a good friend there. That friend that spoke to you is a good one. I said, listen, Christians must be what? Cheerful givers. One major reason, let me not preach the message now. I wanted to preach it today, but because of time, I'll leave it. We must be cheerful givers. Mary Kay, I said that day, the pastor told her, please come and motivate the people to give. And as I was about to go, something happened. I said, if people say they heard from God, that was one day I heard from the Spirit. That something just said to her, promise to double whatever money they give. <laughs> now, she was a well-to-do businesswoman. Promise to double whatever money they give that day. So she thought that they would give between, now, normally they, they gather like one to 2000 Dollars anytime they do take that um, announcement. So she felt as a result of her motivation, they may get up to how much? 5,000, which would be good, and the pastor would have been happy. She did not know that the spirit was upon her that morning. And the spirit was going across the congregation as she was speaking. And she said to the people that, listen, if we don't gather this money to build this, our children's church, was the children's church they were building, maybe our grandchildren will be the ones to use it. Because the rate we are going, we'll never get there. He said, I need all of you to reach into your purses, your bags, your wallets, and give money. And see, in my business, I don't do credit business. I do only cash. So you will give the money today. Ah, Pastor had to whisper to her, please, madam. They didn't come to church with money. He said, okay, I give it till tomorrow. Oh, by the way, any amount we gather, I promise to double. So the church said, okay. So she went home and said, tomorrow morning, everybody bring your offering to church. And you know what happened? Next day, she sat in the house waiting for the phone call to tell her how much she needed to double. She waited and waited and waited, and the phone call did not come. Ah, She said, what is going on? They must have gathered a lot of money. They must have gathered up to $10,000. Finally, the phone call came. It was the head deacon. And the head deacon started the story. He said, madam, sorry we delayed in calling you. We needed to have a meeting. So the pastor and the deacons had the meeting, and I've been informed, I've been told to inform you that that pledge you made, you have been freed from it. You don't have to fulfill that pledge. So the woman said, Which kind of allow with this one? So she said to the head deacon, Thank you very much, sir, but I made a pledge in the presence of the brethren. I'm committed to fulfilling it. So how much? 
The man said, $106,000. Code don't catch you before. Because code hit the woman. She, she shivered. She felt the shiver run down her spine. What? When she was quiet, the deacon on the other end of the phone understood. He said, "My, I just want you to know that the church has agreed that you have been freed from that obligation. You don't have to give the money. Which will have been, now for your information, legitimately under God, should have been covered. But let me just tell you something. Okay, let me finish. If I can, I'll, I'll get there. Again, she responded to the man, don't worry about it. I made a promise before the brethren. I intend to keep it. In her mind, where would I get $106,000? And remember, no credit, cash, she had to pay that day. So she made up her mind, where would I get $106,000? Which kind of be this one? Why would you be pledging things when you don't even know what's going to happen? So she started thinking, okay, I'll go to the bank. The bank manager trusts me. He knows I'll pay the money. So that was her plan. She went to the bank, borrowed the money, and pay. The phone rang again. Now, you heard me say this many times. People say, God cannot change the past. I don't believe it. I don't believe that God does not change the past. I don't have time to explain it now. Because when she went through with her pledge, God went back in time and rearranged some things. God put his hand back in time. Made her put an investment somewhere. Rearranged the investment so that that day it began to yield. Because her son called her less than an hour. She was still sitting down thinking on how she would get money when her son called. And the first thing her son said is, Mommy, why is it that anything you touch turns to gold? Say, what are you talking about? Said, remember my friend that invested, invented a manner of prospecting for oil? Yes. I told you to invest in it then. Say, yes, I did. Say, we've struck oil. And your share in the first month, in the first month, is over $100,000. Did you hear what I said? In the first month, your share is over $100,000. No, no, I'm not saying that's your return on investment. Too. That's in what? The first month. That is, God targeted it. God planned it. The day she did what she did, was about to enter into debt to fulfill that obligation. Because they sent her money and make sure the money does not stop flowing. She went to the bank, still took the money because that one would take time to come. She said, what I like about it, said, as I was going to church that day to drop that money, he said it was not, that she was not a, like, yeah, we are giving. That she was a fearful child of God, that it was with trembling. He said she became afraid of God. Like, I wish I could sing it in Igbo. Who can sing that, sing that song in Igbo? The way Precious is laughing. Do you, you speak small Yoruba? Oh, now, now, how sad you learn for Abuja? No, I, I wish I could sing that song. This song literally means that I'm in awe of you. That's, and that's the easy way to put it. But no, literally means that the fear of you is upon me. That the God who's, who established the foundation of the earth I hope you're getting my point. That woman said she trembled, that she literally trembled. It was with trembling hands. She went to church that day like, ah, God, is this how you are? Suddenly she realized that all my life, it was not my effort. It was God that brought me to this level. 
Let me tell you the truth. We have not tapped into the economy of God. That's the main problem we have had. The word has told us labor, struggle, save. Save 10%. Invest 10%. Put this portion in the stock market. Then this one in the savings account. And then this one in what? In Bitcoin. This one in insurance, thank you. And then they will arrange this thing. They did not say that. Um, and then if you are eating more than, is it how much percent of your income you are eating too much? When you hear some of those things, I say, do you know where I'm coming from? You don't know the size of my stomach. You don't know what my income is. You are telling me the percentage of my income I should eat. There are people who have given all their income out and they are not poor. Archbishop Dawson said something once. That he decided to switch the principle of tithe around. He decided any money he gets, he give out 90%. He will keep 10. And let's see how, what's going to happen. And when he was giving the testimony, he said he's still trying to catch up with spending the 10%. You see, we, we must destroy mammon. It's my determination by the Spirit of God that mammon must be dethroned. Amen. Let me tell you, when you know you have dethroned mammon, is this, you will look at your bank balance, it will be five naira. You know what they call five naira? That's less than one minute of talk time on any network. You check your pocket, okay, you may see 15 naira there because it's hard to spend. That's why it's still there. What can you buy with it? Okay. How much can you carry with this? 100 naira. So 15 naira is going the way of five couple. Now, wow. Things are rough, man. When they invaded Ukraine, people thought it was Ukraine. Now everybody's suffering in Ghana and in Nigeria, every part of the world. Energy costs in the UK has doubled. You know what the power, power bills, EADC, bring you bill one month, they say 15,000. Next month, they say it's 35,000. Say, why? Say they invaded Ukraine. You say, oh boy, do I look Ukrainian to you? <laughs> or do I look Russian? <laughs> say, it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're getting our energy from there. Price of crude went to 140. That's not been that high in more than 15 years. Everybody's affected. Everybody. You know the truth? Those who seek the Lord will not lack anything good. Those who seek the Lord will not lack anything good. I said those who seek the Lord will not lack anything good. You know what? God wants us to tap into his own economy. Listen, you will know. You will look at your pocket. There's nothing. Fifteen dollars is all you have left. And then you are not worried. And you go and lie down, you go and sleep. It doesn't bother you. And somebody says that we have to pay money before the end of the week. And you just say, it's okay. You don't have the money, but what do you say? It's okay. okay. And you go to sleep. Listen, you will see what they call miracles. I don't know how else to say it. You are going to see it too. Listen, I have determined that you will see. I don't know what 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 I'm saying makes sense to you. Me, I have determined that you, you will see it. Amen. I will teach until you give me testimonies. Amen. Until the testimony is complete, we will not leave this topic. Amen. Yes, there are all kinds of testimonies. The most important one I want to hear is the one of the peace of God that passes all understanding. Listen, this is how you know that you don't believe God yet. You are still concerned about which money we use to build the house in 10 years' time. You never start. Because the easiest way to believe God eh, is those things that are far. They are the easiest. There's no pressure on you now. If you cannot handle that one by faith, is it the rent that's due next month you want to handle by faith? 
You still start, you are still believing lies. That at the age of forty you don't own land. You say, somebody said, landlessness is voicelessness. Where's Jonathan? It's Jonathan's people that said that. It's them. They said landlessness is voicelessness. I don't need land to speak for me if I have the voice of God. Okay, if I have the voice of God, land does not need to speak for me. It's why you still believe in such lies. You see, people that just started earning money. First, they want to buy land. They have never given anybody anything. I will talk about it again next time. You have to know how to invest spiritually. I'm not talking about gifts you can connect to. I mean, it's about selling all you have. Selling all you have and giving. Selling all you have so that you don't have any confidence in anything. See, let me just say, let me give you one assignment, okay? Go and pray. Anything you have confidence in that you have kept aside to take care of you when you're in trouble. Dispose of it before you see me next. Pastor Banky, what did you say? If you bought land so that when your children want to go to school, you sell it and send it to school. Go and sell it now. And use the money to carry those children to where? I don't even know. Uh, land, money, shop, right? <laughs> What do you, you want to buy the, the shop right? <laughs> Thank you. You hear what she said? She said you want to buy shop right? No, now. Come in here. Okay, take portion of it there. Go and eat. These children, they've been with you for how many years? You've never done birthday for them. Do birthday. Yes, call them. It's, my, it's their birthday. Call their friends, everybody. Gather together. Blow the money. Everybody will be looking at you and say, ah, when did this man hit jackpot? few weeks before my wedding, I was sharing with my wife I married now, just sharing the word of God, sharing the word. Instruct those who are rich. In the, I didn't know I was preaching to myself that day. Sometimes, you let me share with you. Instruct those who are rich in this world not to be conceited or, you know, or put their hope in the uncertainty of riches as I was sharing. This was like, look at you. When I finished preaching that day, I realized I was not preaching to this young woman. I was preaching to me. Because I said, what you worship is what you pursue, what? aggressively. By that time, eh, I was scraping every money I had towards my wedding. And guess what? It was not enough. When you are running against men, you'll be tired. Now, when God is not with you, you now think you are running against horses. For every step you take, when the horse takes one step, it's like you took seven. God said, when you run against men and they tired you out, he said, what will you now do when you have to run against horses? When you are using your own strength to solve your problem, that's what it is. You are running against horses. I gathered the money, it was not enough. That day when I finished preaching, man, faith was boosted in my heart. I took the money that I had collected. I realized that I had been eating all the money by myself, saving everything. No, I wasn't eating it too. I mean, you need to have it to eat. I was trying to arrange wedding arrangements. After that, I went to church. I gave offering. My friend was wedding just before me. I gave him money. The way I spoke that, the guy was thinking, my bank don't hit. I said, but I realize you are spending a lot of money. I just think it's necessary to contribute my own portion to you. <laughs> I'm sure he thought that money must have come from somewhere. Because nobody does things like that. Except something came from somewhere. I took money I gave him towards his wedding. I went to church. I said, oh, Pastor, you've been a tremendous blessing. I gave him something. So I said, spend all the money where I get the money now came down, started raining like, like thunder. No, 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 no. No money came. <laughs> I can assure you, nothing like that happened. It was a friend of mine I went to see. We were just talking. 
God gave me a word of wisdom by his mouth. That word of wisdom was what I used to solve all my problems. Took tension. You see, mistakes I made, I don't want to make it. Stop buying new shoes if you are going to wear it. It's not necessary. Polish the old one you have. Unless it's bad. If it never tear. Like if I'm wedding, I'm not buying. Okay, I can buy new shoes now because I did it. I'm buying new shoes. The wedding, wedding is no wedding. So people, I'm not advising people like me. Go and shine your shoe. You don't need to buy new one. Who is planning wedding now? Because I keep on going back to this wedding thing. Oh, is the one? <laughs> don't use the slippers, though. <laughs> but don't stress yourself, my brother. There's one stupid habit I see in Eastern Nigeria. Very foolish habit. They buy suits for the best man. If you don't have your own suit, you will not be my best, you are my worst man. Don't come near me. You hear what I said? If your best man says you buy suits, bring out your shoe and knock his head. If you cannot buy your own suit, how can you call yourself my best man? My best man should be supporting me. Are you the best man? Are you the one? If you buy your suit and you wear it, mosquito will bite you. I mean, I came to Enugu, I saw rubbish. A man wants to wear this, buying suit for his best man. Wickedness. Wickedness. My friend who was my best man, he called. And I saw I put my hand down. Put your money down, let's go and pay the tailor. I was best man for two of my friends. That was how I paid, paid for my suit myself. My friends, I said, oh boy, we don't need to buy new shoes. He said, banky, I'm wearing new shoes. I said, boy, oh boy, I don't. He said, I'm ba- I had to buy new shoe when I didn't have money because my friend was ready. I came to a nigga. I see people buying suits for their best man. If they buy suits for you and you wait, IPOB will collect it on Monday. <laughs> After the wedding. That is Monday is on Saturday. Eh, sorry, when is on Saturday? On Monday, you just go out to one area where they say don't come out. The boys will strip you now, boxer and t-shirt. You go where go house that day. That's the judgment I have decreed for you. Don't, you, you are daring me. I'm a prophet. Oh. Okay, you, you think I'm joking. Just go. Go wear the suit first. <laughs> Dry it. Nonsense. Uh-uh. I even see some people, they will, they will pay for a head, head do for the bride's people. You'll be using your hard money to make clothes for those on. You don't need bridal train. Better get bridal uh, keke. What are you doing with train? <laughs> I don't know this culture. It's a useless culture. Where I, look, when I was young, I remember I was a page. All right? I remember my father paying for my cloth. Every, my wife had bridal train. She had ladies in this, had ladies in hat. Everybody bought, brought their money. What kind of nonsense is this one? Those will be learning bad things. You now see the foolish, the foolish, the foolish best man too will go there. They used to come to my wife to buy studio. I will be looking at them. So you are lucky. I'm not the guide. Anyway, let me not say more than that. In case you are listening to me, it's a bad call. Where did this start from, sir? Because it was not like that before the war. <laughs> no, people, people of God, is not right. The man is trying to wear, you should be helping him. You should be lightening his load. Okay? You should be lightening his load. You should be removing the burden on his neck. You're supposed to be a friend. You should contribute your quota. And you that wants to wear itself, 
You don't need to buy new shoes, I've told you. Just don't use these slippers. Polish the one you have already. Repair. The, the photograph is not cut. And good these days, if the shoe is not right, these guys will digitally give you good shoes. <laughs> Am I telling lies? When they take a picture of Chuck and they look the shoe. Put it on Photoshop. Next thing you are wearing, you are wearing the, what they call Kanye West shoes. <laughs> you, you will see Air Jordan on your feet. You wouldn't believe it. $2,000 a pair. So, boy, you wear Air Jordan for your wedding. You say, we thank God. You don't have to say yes. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Well, peace be upon you in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and give the Lord thanks because his word is good. <laughs>